fear is as crucial thing to our lives as love. It cuts to the core of our being and shows us what we are. Will you step back and cover your eyes? Or will you have the strength to walk to the precipice and look out? Marisha Pestle, Night Film. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm one of your hosts, Stephanie. And I'm your other host, Rachel. Today we'll be strategizing how to introduce new readers to the wonderful world of horror fiction. Today we have a special guest with us, April, who you might know from her YouTube channel, Getting Higgy With It, where she recommends some great reads in historical fiction, thrillers, and, of course, horror April, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I thought before we get started, maybe we could give you a chance to introduce yourself just for people who maybe don't know about your channel and just tell us a little bit about your background reading horror. Sure. So um, as Rachel mentioned, I've got a little YouTube channel uh, called Getting Hookah With It, and it's where I get out all of my love of books. And while I read a lot of historical fiction, I do love to dabble in horror, which is really probably surprising to a lot of people because I seem like a really bubbly, happy person. And when they find out that I love horror books and movies and all of that, they kind of wince and look back at me a little bit strangely. Uh, it <laughs> you to, get judged. Yeah, it doesn't seem to match up with my personality, but what can I say? I love a good scare, so. And then how I got started in horror, I have to say it goes like way back to my childhood. Like my mom used to read us all sorts of books. Um, she was an avid reader herself. And you know, yes, we had like Winnie the Pooh and all of those good things, but we also had creepy picture books. Oh, uh, I think one of them was called Bony Legs about this witch who wanted to entice all of these children to her home and then she would kill them. And, and then, <laughs> you know, just normal child stuff. Um, like you do. Like sure, you yeah. do. And then uh, a little later on, I got really into R.L. Stein. I was kind of obsessed. And then at university, I took English Lit and got into things like Frankenstein and The Turn of the Screw. And yeah, in the last couple of years, I've started really picking up horror again and thrillers, of course, as well. And I just can't get enough. Awesome. So what kind of horror stories are you drawn to? I do love a good ghost story. I love the idea of these decrepit old homes where something is just off and things move around in the night and you don't feel welcome. And I love that there's this like invisible threat that you have really no way of fighting. You can't really fight a ghost. And then I also really enjoy um, apocalyptic horror, where the world is not the world that you uh, came into and it's never going to be the same again and you have to adjust. Uh, I love imagining what I would do in those, that kind of situation. And I know that I would just die. Like, <laughs> I would not do well in that setting. But yeah, I like that. And then I also really love anything with a stalker in it. Although, 
I don't know if you guys find, but I find it very hard to find horror books with stalkers in them. It seems to be kind of a thriller trope yeah. almost. Maybe that's a future episode. We'll have to come back with you, April. Yeah, and we'll come back to this. <laughs> once you found all the good so horror stalker books. There you go. That would be great. So, April, I thought we should maybe give people some context as to why specifically we wanted you to be the one to be on our episode recommending horror for newbies. And that's because you did that amazing YouTube video that was all about where people should get started when they're new to the genre. I think you actually called your YouTube video horror for newbies. What was the inspiration behind it? Like, why did you decide to do that? Well, I think a lot of my viewers are just afraid of horror. Um, they might read a lot of historical fiction and some might, you know, try out some thrillers, but horror is really where they draw that line. And I, I really think that they're missing out on a really great genre. Like it's not all blood and guts. You can read horror without wanting to throw up. And there are tons of different subgenres in horror to try out. So while you might not like some, like body horror, you might like... Um, paranormal or you know so I just think that they're missing out and so I thought that video might help them out who doesn't love a good body horror though or just doesn't <laughs> everyone just love a good limb ripping off everyone is not Rachel <laughs> I don't I struggle with body horror for some reason speaking about that is do you think a lot of people just associate that with just horror in general is that why you think maybe people don't read as much horror yeah, I think I think people have seen movies like Saw and have been, you know, scarred in some way. Or maybe they saw one horror movie as a kid that they weren't supposed to see that, you know, their parents went out for the night and babysitter said, yeah, sure, we can watch, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, no problem. And then they're like totally scarred for life. And they just associate the two. And I think there's a real difference between horror movies and horror books. You're, one of them is incredibly visual, and then one of them you're imagining only so much as you can imagine. So sadly, if you have a wild imagination, I mean, it might not go over very well for you if you're someone who gets easily scared. But that said, you're kind of in control of it a little bit more than you are watching a horror movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I was actually kind of the same way, like as a kid, and even I've gotten better, but I used to have such problems throwing up when I watched horror movies. So I just oh. didn't watch them. Queen of but body of horror, horror, really. <laughs> I know. And I'm a chicken. I, I got sick watching the Titanic because people oh. fell off the boat and I threw up. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm a baby over here. I, I've gotten so much better. But as a teenager, like no one wanted to watch horror movies with me because I was that sick kid in the corner. <laughs> So that is funny because exactly, I can completely read it on the page. I love it. I like that it makes my stomach turn, but I don't think I, I've actually have not seen the Saw movies because I'm too chicken. I'm sure I'd be sick in the bathroom and yeah, that's, no one has a fun time when that happens. Yeah, I always get the response when I ask like, oh, why don't you read horror? It's always the fact that they're scaredy cats, that they don't, you know, they don't think they'll enjoy it. Or a lot of times just they don't know where to start, which is why I'm so excited for this episode is the fact that it really is a good chance for us to recommend some different avenues and different strategies to get into the genre. Because I think a lot of people, if they don't read it at all, and it's not honestly as popular as some of the other genres right now. So mm -hmm. you're not necessarily getting as many book recommendations when you go to the bookstore. There isn't usually a display of horror books. Maybe around Halloween, they'll pull out a display of Dracula, things like that, but you're not getting tons of recommendations like you do with something like psychological thrillers that are super buzzy these days. 
So on that note, do you find that you get a lot of people asking you for horror recommendations? To be honest, I'm that person like putting a horror book into people's hands. Like uh, at work, I think I've pressed Bird Box into maybe five people's hands. So I'm just <laughs> like, I'm not waiting for them to ask. I'm just, here's Bird Box, you have to read it immediately. And then I'll silently judge them if they don't like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm that person. <laughs> Understandable. I so much about you. <laughs> In April, earlier you were talking about reading Frankenstein and The Turn of the Screw. Do you think a good strategy with people is to start with the horror classics? That is a good question. I think if you are someone who's who loves classics, if you're if you're already reading Charles Dickens and you're reading Jane Austen and you're already really immersed into classics, then for sure start out with Dracula, which I actually haven't read, sadly, um, or, or something along those lines. Start with the classics. But if you don't like classics, you're really not going to be a fan of something like The Castle of Otranto or something. No, that's not a yeah. good place to start. And you should start with something newer. That's what I was thinking too. Well, as someone who doesn't read classics, my answer was no, just because I think that they can be a little bit more dense and slower paced. So if that's not your genre or type of book otherwise, I don't think it's a good place to start. I think if you're reading the genre, I do think it's a good idea to understand the foundations of it and to eventually kind of go back to some of the classics. But yeah, I don't tend to tell people to start with classics when it comes to trying out a new genre in general. Yeah, I tend not to tell people to start there, but I mean, if you're interested in like vampires, I think you should read Dracula just to see kind of where all of that originated and to see kind of what everyone else was inspired by. But yeah, I wouldn't say it's a great place to start because most people, I think, also expect like a certain thrill factor when they're reading horror. And if I look at reviews from like people that I'm friends with on Goodreads who have read classics, they're like, this wasn't even scary. So yeah, I I agree with that tactic. Yeah, I think a lot of the early early classics weren't all that scary. Well, they're they're scary at the time. They were probably mm-hmm. petrifying at the time. Yeah. And now they're like, well, we've got you know, we've got Rosemary's Baby now as our modern classic and you know, so it's not as scary those older ones. That makes a lot of sense. And that kind of goes into it's sort of a side tip that I would give anyone who's just starting on the genre is that it's really important to have the right expectations when starting a book. So I always think that, yeah, people just assume that every horror book is going to be ridiculously scary. But if you want a book to be scary, in my opinion, for the most part, you have to be considerate of the setting because I've read horror books at my lunch hour where all my coworkers are discussing TV and the lights are on. Honestly, it's not super scary at lunchtime at work. So it's a completely different experience if I'm at home at night in the dark maybe by myself so I really encourage people if they really do want to be scared that they have to put a little bit of effort into when they're doing that horror reading in my opinion would you agree with that yeah I really love that idea and I probably do that most of the time like I might still read my horror book in daylight and not wait for dark but that's probably because I started it in the dark got really scared was already hooked on the story and then could not put it down and couldn't wait for dark again, you know, to pick it back up. So before we get into our actual book recommendations, what are some factors that you need to consider when you're picking out someone's first horror book? I think, you know, asking what other kinds of books they're into can really help. 
So getting to know their own reading style and personality and what things they like really can help them out. So if they're, you know, if they're really into dystopian or apocalyptic books, then maybe they should pick up The Silent or Bird Box uh, because it kind of lends to that. Or, you know, if they're really into historical fiction or Kate Morton with, you know, books about these big grand homes, then maybe a ghost story would be up their alley. It's grand mm -hmm. homes, but, you know, there's a ghost there as well. So maybe for them, they might want to pick up something like The Woman in Black or Florence and Giles. So I think you just need to know your own personality and your own reading style and what you like to read and go from there. That makes a lot of sense. I think a few other questions I thought of was kind of going back to the setting was saying, well, do you actually want to be scared? Because some people do. Some people will rate a horror book really poorly if it doesn't scare them. But some people don't and they kind of want to try this genre, but not necessarily be scared out of their minds. So there's horror books for that too. And then if they do want to be scared, you need to know, well, what scares you? Because clowns could be terrifying to one person and absolutely silly to someone else. And then some of the other things I think of, especially if I don't know the person well, is how they feel about vulgar and lewd content. You know, a lot of those books will contain some really dark scenes, uh, you know, cruelty to animals, children in danger, things like that. And not everyone is okay with everything. Some people have different triggers. So that's one I've gotten a little bit better. I don't have, honestly, very many triggers myself. But I've gotten better at being sensitive to actually try to ask people, are you okay with this? Or, oh, by the way, a puppy dies. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that is such a good point because I really struggle with any sort of harm coming to animals. In particular, all the people can die, no problem. But animals, <laughs> that's where I cross the line. That's, that's it, you know? And I really struggled with that with it. And I struggled with that in um, The Deep. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, animals can't die for me. Not in bad ways. If it's quick, then I can handle it. But if it's like this long, torturous death for this animal, I just know, oh. Oh, I love how you're perfectly fine if all the people die. <laughs> that's, that's what I got out of that. I sound like the worst person in the world. <laughs> you're like, April hates people. <laughs> I seem smiley and happy, but really... <laughs> That's what I love so much about you. Exactly. If I like the first time I saw one of your YouTube videos and I hope everyone goes and checks out your YouTube channel because you're smiley, your room is bright. You have this beautiful bookcase behind you. And then you start talking about these really nasty books. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> I can't help it. And I guess my last recommendation uh, is the fact that I really think that people should try short fiction when it comes to horror. I have just had a love affair with short stories and novellas this year when it comes to the genre. So I think they're perfect places for people to start. They're less of a time commitment, less daunting. Putting it by Stephen King in someone's hands can be terrifying for not horror reasons. It's just a giant book. Like a lot oh, of yeah. other horror books are really large. So I just love short stories and I think they do a really good job of building suspense and because they're short they do less of the lead up and the build up and they usually just go right into the main event. So if you do want that punch in the gut, those are some of my scariest books actually are short stories just because they're quick and unexpected and they just have this like awesome little climax and they can terrify me in just, you know, 30 pages, which I love. For sure. I think also there are other kinds of genres that are very close to horror if you get the right book. So, for example, thrillers. 
Mm-hmm. Some thrillers are not overly scary, um, and others have scared me just as much as reading a horror. So if you're you know, new to horror and you just want to dabble in it a little bit, I think some thrillers are a good place to start. And speaking of that, we do have some books to recommend, and it kind of looks like we're going to take that strategy of trying to appeal to readers who like maybe other genres and kind of doing some crossovers. Like if you are a fan of thrillers or mysteries, you might like this. Uh, So the first book I'm going to recommend is Night Film by Marisha Pessel, and that's kind of a mystery thriller horror. So if you're a fan of mysteries or thrillers, And what this one is about is a journalist loses his job over his obsession with this cult horror filmmaker. And when that filmmaker's daughter dies in a suspicious suicide, the journalist just can't help investigating. And he gets drawn into the underground world of Stanislaus Cordova. April, you read this too, right? You liked it? Yes. And I read it because of you. I saw your... I saw one of your videos a while back where you were reviewing Night Film and I knew that I had to read it and it was it was very creepy. I have to say like most of the time I wasn't scared but any scene with Ashley in it, her name was mm-hmm. Ashley, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, any scene with Ashley in it, I just my you know when the hairs on your arms stick up because you're so creeped out like oh, I loved it. Uh, she was such a creepy character. There was one scene that I was reading that I was just like so into. And then my cat jumped into my lap and gave me a heart attack. Like I was like, ah, Um, (laughs) so I think it's a good crossover. Again, this is like House of Leaves where it's a book that people have strong opinions on. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Um, When I was done with it, though, I just really wish that Cordova was just a real horror filmmaker because I just loved that whole culture she created around him where he was like, literally had this underground following where people would meet underground in tunnels and watch his movies and they were banned and just that whole thing around him was awesome and I just really wished it was real uh, so that is my recommendation that is Night Film by Marisha Puzzle. for me I would definitely recommend Final Girls by Riley Sager this one came out this past summer and I was just so addicted to it this is about a group of three girls who are called final girls for a reason and that's because they've survived this mass murder and they've all experienced their own different kind of mass murder and they're all survivors of it and they kind of keep tabs on each other throughout their life this isn't a group of girls who are going out for tea on the weekend they just keep tabs on each other and our main character Quincy Um, has, you know, really come far in her life after this tragedy that's befallen her. And, you know, she's got a little baking blog. She's got a boyfriend who seems really nice. And, like, things are just working really well for her. And then one day she finds out that one of the other final girls died. And she's wondering, you know, did she die of her own volition or did she actually get murdered and then she starts wondering oh my gosh are people killing off the final girls and we follow her journey and I just loved this one so much I read it so fast it was so good I agree Uh, I love that one too it's definitely a fun one and then like in terms of scariness I would say it's more of a room temperature one you're not gonna get 
horrified reading this, but I just thought it was like the perfect ode to the slasher flick. Like if you loved watching Scream or Halloween at sleepovers, like you must pick up this book. To me, it's just a must. Oh, definitely. I would say definitely if you're a fan of Scream. I just love the whole final girl trope so much that I just really love this book and everything like the um, like you said, the ode that it was paying to the genre. Yeah, I think anyone who's watched those kind of movies are just going to get so much more out of the book. There's so many little winks and nods that someone who doesn't necessarily watch those won't necessarily get, but still really enjoy. It also felt like really refreshing to me because, you know, a lot of thrillers keep trying to do. I don't know, they're trying to outdo one another. And so they read a book by another author and then just try to recreate that. So there's a lot of like women who are unreliable narrators or who have forgotten something. And you know, those kinds of tropes that keep popping up over and over again in thrillers. And after I read Final Girls, I was like, finally, someone's just tried something new and tried something distinctly their own. And they're not comparing themselves to any other thriller authors they're just doing them and trying to be a bit creepy speaking of fantastic thriller authors i'm going to recommend a novella and that is the grown-up by gillian flynn who is one of my favorite authors you'll probably hear about her several times throughout these podcast episodes but i'm recommending her novella again because i really think short fiction is a great place to start for newbies This particular story is about a woman who is posing as a psychic, possibly doing some hand jobs in the back room. Oh my god. (laughs) The opening line to this book is the best. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, sorry, go on. For sure. So she gets hired to investigate a home that is possibly haunted, and the story takes off from there. I'm hesitant to say more just because it's so short, I don't want to give away too much of the plot points, but I would call this book... A bit of a fridge book just because it's Gillian Flynn and while it's not exactly scary it's very dark and disturbing like all of her books so if you're familiar with any of her more famous novels Gone Girl, Dark Places etc you can expect the same disturbing subject matter in this one and I just think this is perfect for newbies for horror because it really is a crossover story a lot of people argue is it a thriller is it horror And it really walks that line. I don't want to say too much more about it, but I think so many people come from reading psychological thrillers. And if you're okay reading those darker stories, this book is just so dark, but it has a lot of narrative drive. So for people who have said that horror books can be a little bit more slow paced, a lot more building, this one is all action. You just fly through the story. I think it's about 60 pages and it was just so intense. So I think this is a perfect way to kind of dip into the genre. And once you get hooked, you'll just keep going from there because oh it's so good i think have both of you read this one yeah i've read it yeah definitely read it i love gillian flynn she's one of my absolute favorite thriller writers i i don't know whether this is thriller or horror it's kind of in between but oh my gosh it's definitely creepy i was just sad that it wasn't longer because i just love her writing so much that i just want all of her books to be longer I have no idea what's going on in that woman's head, but I love it. I love her quote at the beginning of, I think it's Gone Girl, says to my husband, who knows the dark thoughts that go through my head and is still willing to sleep with me at night. (laughs) I want that to be my quote. I just love it. Is that her, like, dedication quote to her actual husband? It is. That is her dedication. 
Isn't that brilliant? And that's like me and my husband. He's like, what's wrong with you? But I love you anyway. That's so funny, especially considering that book. That's so great. So for my next recommendation, I'm doing a crossover for readers who usually like more literary fiction. Uh, So I'm going to do Slade House by David Mitchell. And this is kind of a haunted house story in a way. And the synopsis is that in an alley by a British pub, a house will show up once every nine years. It invites people inside and those people never come out. The scariness rating for this, I would say for me, it was room temperature. Maybe for people who don't read a lot of horror, it could be fridge. It does have creepy scenes. And every chapter is, you know, the nine years later with like the new person that's going to stumble upon this house. And, you know, by the end of the chapter, something's going to happen to them and they're not going to leave this house. So kind of having that knowledge makes it a little more tense as you read the chapters. But I would say this is really good for people who enjoy literary fiction and maybe a little bit of sci-fi fantasy because David Mitchell writes these like huge, expansive books and he kind of does that while playing with the horror genre and keeping it down to 300 pages. So it spans five decades. It has really good pacing uh, because each chapter you're getting like a new character. It's a new decade. And of course, the chapter ends with what happens to them. And then, you know, it picks up nine years later. And it was really interesting. And I thought a really cool new take on kind of the haunted house genre a little bit. Have either of you read this? I have not. Neither have I, but I just picked it up and it's on my shelves waiting. Ooh, I'm really excited to hear what you think about it. So you'll have to let me know when you're done with it. I will for sure. It sounds awesome. I love that there's uh, a new character for every chapter. I'm really, I'm really into that. It sounds really cool. For me, the next book that I want to recommend is I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reid. Now, this was recommended to me by Rachel. And yay. Oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite, if not my favorite thriller books of all time. So this is about a girl who's on a road trip with her boyfriend. They're on their way to her boyfriend's family home and she's about to meet the parents and she should be really excited because it's the beginning of their relationship. But all the while that they're driving, she keeps just thinking, you know, I'm thinking of ending things like this isn't working out for me. I don't know if he's the guy for me. And meanwhile, she's been getting these incredibly creepy phone calls and she's getting them in the car as well, but she won't pick up because she doesn't want her boyfriend to know about them. But this person keeps leaving messages on her phone that are just disturbing beyond belief. And I've got to say this in terms of scariness rating, like this is fridge most definitely, but there are moments where I definitely put this in the freezer. There are scenes in here that have stuck with me and continue to stick with me. And I just, I just love this one. It scared me so much more than a lot of horror books have. And it's also the only thriller that I'd ever really want to reread. You know how like you'll read a thriller and you know all the jumpy outy points and all of the, you know, plot twists and you just don't need to read it again. This is one that I think I could read again and again every year and never get sick of it. I have to read this. Oh, exactly. I'm the same way. That book just demands rereading. 
You absolutely have to read it. I'm going to keep bugging you until you do because oh I think gosh. you would love this book. I know she hasn't read it. Oh my gosh, Stephanie. I know every time you guys talk about it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I need to read that. How do I keep forgetting to read that? So, okay. And it's I short it. too. It's, Is it really? It's so short. Yeah. It's, it's like, so short. Like I think it's under 200 pages. Ooh. Exactly. Okay, I'll read it. <laughs> so the last book I am obsessed with, and that is The Ghost Line by Andrew Neil Gray and J.S. Herbison, which are actually a married couple. And I picked out this book because a lot of her recommendations were intended for fans of psychological thrillers. And I wanted to give a recommendation for people who normally read science fiction fantasy, because I think that's a different way to get into horror. Both those genres have elements of supernatural, imaginary creatures, things like that, which can actually be a really good overlap with horror. And so I thought The Ghost Line was a perfect place to start. This is another novella, which is about a group of salvagers who break into an abandoned luxury spaceship, which is known as the Titanic of the Stars. So think of this luxury liner, but it's a ship in space. However, as they're trying to break in, steal the technology, things quickly go downhill and it becomes apparent that someone or something doesn't want them there. I really want to read that. I love that it's like a haunted house spaceship story, like a haunted spaceship. That's awesome. Exactly. That's exactly how I pitch it to people because it really is that. And I think it's perfect for people who like those science fiction elements. It has that technology, uh, deals with different future ideas. But at the same time, at its core, it really is a haunted house story. They just threw it on a spaceship. And I just love it. It is incredibly atmospheric. The details were so vivid and eerie. For someone who reads horror, it would definitely be room temperature. But for someone who only reads science fiction, which doesn't normally have those creepy elements, it almost could be a fridge book for them. So I think it's just this perfect place to start. And I just want to throw it in everyone's hands. Again, it's so short. You can just fly through it. And I just love it. I almost want to recommend the flip side if either of you ever wanted to get into science fiction. Coming from reading horror, it actually is a really good place to switch over that way if you want to try a different genre. But that is The Ghost Line by Andrew Neil Gray and J.S. Herbison. I might have to take you up on that. I might have to try that out. Yeah, me too. I really, I like science fiction, but I don't read it enough. And that seems like right up my alley. Oh, it's so good. This is reminding me of that movie. I think, is it Event Horizon? Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one, but it sounds definitely like that, like kind of sci-fi horror. Um, Oh, I have to look that out. Yeah, it was an older one. I don't remember what I thought of it, so don't hold me to it if it's like horrible. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that's enough of that. Speaking of some non-bookish horror things, we always like to make some extra recommendations at the end of the episode. So, April, do you want to go first? Okay, well, I I think you guys are going to judge me a little bit because I just watched Halloween for the first time in my entire life. I don't know how I've gone through my life and not watched Halloween. You know, the original one with, like, Jamie Lee Curtis. And I just, I loved it so much. It's about a babysitter and a guy who's most definitely after her and he's like outside of her school wearing a creepy mask and just hanging out everywhere and just standing there and oh it's just disturbing and then of course people die and uh, oh I just loved it. Sadly I'm really struggling with the sequels like I've watched Halloween 4 and it just really it didn't cut it for me. Um, But 
I think I'm gonna have to go out and buy Halloween, the first one, because it's just so good. Have you guys watched that one? I actually haven't. See, oh, you can really judge me. I'm I have not, not watched all the horror movies, no. <laughs> <laughs> I assume Stephanie has, because she's far better at watching all the good horror movies. Have you? Um, I'm going to feel the judgment of every listener on this to say that I haven't. I haven't seen it. I know. I'm oh so sorry. God. Okay, we lost all to, of our horror cred. Okay. I feel to so much my credit. I've been looking for it, and my Blu-ray player isn't working, so everything I watch has to be on a streaming platform, and I've been looking for it, and they don't have it. They have the sequels out there, because I was going to watch it in October, and I was looking for it everywhere, and I could not find it. So I made an effort. It just didn't work out, so I'm going to wait till it comes on somewhere, and then I will watch it. I'm sorry, listeners. Please don't judge me. I promise. (laughs) I will watch it. I know we will I've, remedy this. Yeah, I know I've lost yeah. so much horror cred right now. I'm sorry. I'll get I'll do yeah. it. I can just imagine all the shame gifts that are going to show up on Twitter when this episode goes live. Yeah, it's just people shaking their heads at me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it will happen. <laughs> yeah, once it happens, you'll be, you'll be happy because, oh my gosh, it was great. And even though it's old, obviously it's this older horror movie, it's still so creepy. And I, I literally talked the whole time. I'm not usually one of those people who like, talks throughout movies but my husband was probably really annoyed by me because like, what is she doing don't do that like the whole time I was I was that person uh it's great so I am crazy excited for my recommendation I've been dying to tell you guys about this and this is a video game that's available on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation, and it's called Dead by Daylight. I am obsessed with it. I've been playing it pretty much every day that I can, and I don't remember the last time I've gotten this obsessed with a video game. And it's an online multiplayer game, so basically how it works is that each round you wake up and you're in this super creepy location, like think of like an asylum or a deserted farm, and there is a killer on the loose that is trying to kill you and one of the other four players on the map. Each of the characters is inspired by a classic killer like Jason from Friday the 13th, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or the nurse from Silent Hill. And they are just chasing you down. It's so atmospheric. It is dark. And because it's all real people, like you're basically trying to outsmart this killer. So sometimes it's good to like hide in a closet or sometimes you're just flat out running. And the jump scares work so well on me because you're frantically trying to fix these generators so that you can open some doors and escape out. And you have to do all these quick checks. And so you have to be really quick with uh, mouse clicking. But if you make a mistake, the generator explodes and the killer finds you. And I honestly just jump and scream when I play it. It's probably the most obnoxious (laughs) thing I could possibly be doing at the computer. But oh my goodness, it's so addicting. And it's easily the scariest video game I've ever played. Like I always play in the dark, uh, turn off all the lights, put a lamp. And I just think it's ridiculously scary. The killer... If he gets you, he grabs you and puts you on this hook and sacrifices oh, you. Oh, God. It's, nice. it's so gruesome. It's so <laughs> gruesome. I just, I, I can't believe I am crazy obsessed with it. So this is this is what I do with my free time when I'm not reading. Oh, I love that. I, I don't even play video games, but I feel like I would if I had that video game. Maybe I'll buy it for my husband who plays and I'll just watch him. I like that. It sounds so immersive, like such a really immersive experience. That sounds really cool. 
It really is. Like that feeling when you're just like hiding around a corner and you can see the killer is like walking by looking for you and you're hiding behind a box and you're just waiting going, oh, I hope he doesn't see me. It's absolutely (laughs) terrifying. It's like being in the Halloween movies. Like it really is that, you know, feeling of like hiding from the slasher and just hoping that he finds someone else first. It's so terrible, but so good. And that's, yeah, it's called Dead by Daylight and everyone should play it. I'm so obsessed. Okay, well, you guys had, like, really exciting and super horrific recommendations. Uh, Mine's more (laughs) horror-adjacent. It's a podcast. Um, It's the Heaven's Gate podcast from Gimlet. Were you guys aware of, like, the Heaven's Gate cult uh, in the 90s? No. It was a cult. Like, they were in this mansion in San Diego. And, like, what everyone knows about them is that they all committed suicide and they were all wearing like black nikes and they were all draped with this like purple cloth and they thought they were going to like meet a spaceship and i forget how many people committed suicide but it's really interesting and it really gets into how they ended up you know how they got to that point how the cult evolved and how the leaders of the cult got to where they are but i like that it's really humanizing and the person that actually does the podcast was once in a doomsday cult so he's just coming from this whole different perspective of understanding and empathy for these people and he's interviewing uh you know the people's family members who were left behind and people who got out of the cult so i don't know if you're into cults it's really really interesting That sounds amazing. Yeah, I love that it's from a person who's kind of been there and knows the, you know, the psyche of a cult. Like, you never get that perspective ever. You only get people pointing out, like, hey, they're very weird and they did the strange thing. Like, at least in this case, like, you really get to understand the psyche and make them human. I love that. Yeah, I just, I love the delicate the delicate way he's handling it and he'll you know make a make a statement and then say like well you got to understand like when you have a charismatic leader like this you would do anything for them and when you're in that mindset like this is how it would be so it was just really really interesting um i think there's like three episodes out right now it's going to be a 10-part series but if that's something you're interested in i definitely recommend listening to that i think it's very well done i'm definitely going to tune into that for sure that sounds so good so a question for you listeners, what books would you recommend to readers looking to get into horror? Please let us know. You can tweet at us. Our Twitter handle is at books freezer pod, or you can find us on Instagram at books in the freezer, or feel free to shoot us an email at books in the freezer at gmail.com. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. Or you can see me on YouTube at That's What She Read. And I'm Rachel. You can find me on Twitter at Shades underscore Orange or on YouTube and Instagram at all one word, no spaces, the Shades of Orange. And I am April. I'm on YouTube at Getting Hugo With It. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It was so much fun. Oh, it was so fun. Thank you for coming on with us. And everyone, join us next time for Books in the Freezer. Thank you.